Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're a female professional or entrepreneur who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Certified Life and Weight Coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to podcast episode number 63. I hope you've had a good week. I've been enjoying the autumn landscape this week, misty mornings, dusk walks and beautiful carpets of yellow, orange, red and brown leaves. You may know we moved house earlier this year and I haven't quite got my office how I want it yet and I move my desk around every few weeks. Well, right now, apart from the traffic noise, which isn't great for coaching calls, I'm loving having my desk facing out of the window. Up until this point, the view has been obscured by two very large trees, but life outside of those trees is getting more and more exposed as autumn moves on and develops and I'm really looking forward to a different view throughout winter. Okay, so today I am talking to you about type 2 diabetes. This Sunday, the 14th of November, is World Diabetes Day. And the theme for World Diabetes Day this year is access to diabetes care. We are so, so fortunate here in the UK that everyone with diabetes has access to ongoing care and support to help them manage their condition and reduce the risk of complications. I appreciate the level of care experienced varies drastically around the country, but we are so very lucky when we compare ourselves to others in developing countries and even in the US where many, many people with diabetes cannot afford access to the care they need. So if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you'll know that diabetes is very close to my heart. My husband has type 1 diabetes since he was 7 or 8 and my father is also a type 2 diabetic, although he manages it very well and is fortunate that it's not led to any complications thus far. So you'll find this podcast particularly relevant if you're a diabetic and I know that many of you who follow me and some of you inside of the Lose Weight Live Life Academy, my membership programs, are either diabetic or pre-diabetic, but you'll also find this podcast useful if you've been told you could be at risk of developing diabetes in the future or just that you have some other health concern that you're worried about that you know could be improved through lifestyle changes. So if you don't fall into any of those categories, still continue to listen because everything that I talk about will be just generally applicable to you in some way. Now, before I continue, I want to tell you that I'm not medically trained. I am going to talk to you about healthy eating and your relationship with being diabetic or pre-diabetic. You should not change any aspect of your diabetes treatment program without doing so in partnership with your diabetic care team. So there are currently 4.7 million people living with diabetes in the UK. That is one in 10 people over the age of 40. And Diabetes UK predicts that that number will rise to 5.5 million by 2030. And there are also an estimated one in three people in the UK who have pre-diabetes. And I think that number is just so high. Uh, So pre-diabetes is an under-diagnosed condition. That means that we are up to 15 times more likely to develop type 2 diabetes. Now, people with pre-diabetes have blood glucose levels higher than normal, but not high enough to be diagnosed as type 2. And recent research has shown that pre-diabetes may 
also be causing long-term damage to our bodies, especially in the heart and the circulatory system. So despite those numbers, many of us still don't really know and understand what type 2 diabetes is. And it is complicated because it leads to so many complications, so many other conditions. But at its very start, type 2 diabetes is when the insulin your pancreas makes is either stopped from working properly or your pancreas isn't making enough insulin. So this means that your blood glucose, your sugar levels keep rising. So when you have type 2 diabetes, your body still breaks down carbohydrate from your food and drink and turns it to glucose. The pancreas responds by releasing insulin, but because this insulin can't work properly, your blood sugar levels keep rising. And then what happens is that your pancreas produces more insulin to try and solve for that, but there's nowhere for the blood glucose to go because it's not working properly. And what happens for some people with type 2 diabetes is that this eventually tires the pancreas out, meaning that their body makes less and less insulin leading to even higher blood sugar levels and the problem is that if left untreated high sugar levels in your blood can seriously damage parts of your body including your eyes your heart your kidney and your nerves the dramatic increase in obesity over recent decades is thought to be the primary cause of type 2 diabetes in the uk Okay, now just like the information we've been given about the best way to eat to lose weight over the last three decades has been flawed, as I've shared about on many of the other podcast episodes, so has the information about the best way to manage diabetes. The good news is that this is now changing. So Diabetes UK is now supportive of improving diabetes or putting diabetes into remission through diet and lifestyle changes. And this is a real shift in how diabetes is being managed after diagnosis because previously and even actually in some areas still, the primary focus has been on medication to manage diabetes rather than looking at ways to manage your diabetes through making uh, lifestyle changes such as looking at how you're eating, eating more healthily, exercising more, all of those things. So some people, and I know this because people in my membership or in my community tell me, are still being told to manage their diabetes primarily through medication whilst being told that they should also have potatoes or pasta or bread or rice with every meal. Now, I just want to reiterate that if this is you, you should not make changes without consulting with your care team. But what I would encourage you to do if this is you is please do some research. Go to Google, look at, you know, managing diabetes, putting type 2 diabetes into remission, and then go to your care team with the most up-to-date information and evidence for how to put type 2 diabetes into remission through dietary change. Because the earlier you make these dietary changes after diagnosis, the greater your chances of success. I just want to share a story about my husband. Now, as I said, my husband's got type 1 diabetes, so it's not exactly the same as type 2. So my husband was told that he should eat potatoes, pasta, bread, rice, all of the things with every meal more than 35 years ago. And I understand why, given the research that was available at the time, the knowledge that was available at the time, it was a standard part of managing type 1 diabetes. But the problem was, is he was scared to not eat bread, potatoes, pasta, or rice with every meal until a few years ago. Even with the health coaching and the studies that I was doing into diabetes, he wouldn't consider cutting out those carbohydrates. Their importance was ingrained into his belief system. And that was until I 
spoke to a fellow health coach whose husband was also type 1 diabetic and he had cut out all refined carbohydrates and was in great help with excellent blood sugar control. So eventually my husband agreed to swap sandwiches for salads at lunchtime. Um, he didn't have bread or pasta or rice and potatoes with his dinner consistently. Um, he replaced them instead with more healthy sort of whole vegetables. So still getting plenty of carbohydrate, but just from a different source. And he got great results. His HbA1c, his average blood glucose levels, were consistently 25% lower um, than they have been over the past two to three years than at any other time in the previous three decades. So just in support of this, I took the following statements from the Diabetes UK website. And what they have to say about this is whilst it's difficult to prove that any one part of the diet is responsible for conditions such as obesity and type 2 diabetes, there is growing evidence that excessive carbohydrate and sugar intake are playing a significant role in the development of these conditions. People with pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes will find that the more carbohydrate they have, the more likely they are to experience problems with high blood sugar levels, increases in insulin resistance, increased body weight and increased appetite. Carbohydrate's direct impact is to raise blood sugar levels and therefore too much carbohydrate can cause problems for people with diabetes. A reduction in daily carbohydrate intake can address both weight gain and poor diabetes control. And they also go on with a warning to say, just as I did a moment ago, that if you are on diabetes drugs that can cause hypoglycemia, that's very low blood sugar levels, you should not decrease carbohydrate intake unless your doctor or care team is happy for you to adjust your carbohydrates. Okay, so always do that in partnership with your care team if you are taking diabetes medications. We really want more doctors to talk to patients about the possibility of working with a health or weight coach to increase their chance of putting their diabetes into remission. Research shows, as I mentioned earlier, that the sooner after diagnosis a patient starts to reduce their weight, the greater the chance of achieving remission and no longer needing to take medication. And I'll go on to share this because I think it is so, so important, but this information is not well known amongst people who are diabetic and pre-diabetic. But a recent Diabetes UK study found that 46% of people taking part in a weight management program achieved remission within 12 months. And that remission was closely linked to weight loss, with 64% of participants who lost more than 10 kilos still being in remission after two years. Okay. So whilst it may be possible to temporarily lose weight through dieting, it's important to change your whole approach to eating and your relationship with food for life if you are diabetic or pre-diabetic in exactly the same way that I taught you about if you want to lose weight for other reasons. Now, I share this information with you because if you've been told that you have insulin resistance, if you are diabetic or pre-diabetic, it's important that you know you have choices about how to manage your disease or being your pre-disease and taking care of your health. However, I also appreciate that being at risk or having diabetes doesn't, for most of you at least, suddenly make it easier to eat in a healthier way, to take exercise and do all those other self-care things that you would benefit from doing. It's exactly the same for you as it is for anyone else. Your primal brain won't suddenly get overridden so that you no longer desire chocolate cake or ice cream, or you no longer desire the efficiency of having a sandwich for lunch instead of preparing a salad or something else. That doesn't just suddenly go away. And on top of all the reasons why you were eating all the foods you were eating before your diagnosis, you may find you've got new thoughts and feelings to deal with, which in fact make it more difficult, especially if you turn to food to comfort yourself or to escape feeling negative emotion. Emotions that commonly show up with a diabetes diagnosis include anger, grief, denial, fear, self-pity and shame. 
And again, I want to reiterate that even if diabetes isn't a factor in your life, the same emotions could show up for you if you have a different hormonal condition or another health challenge. However you feel about a diabetes diagnosis, it's important to know that it's your thoughts about your diagnosis that are causing those emotions rather than the diagnosis itself. That might not feel true and that's okay. The reason I want you to know this is because if you feel one or some of those emotions right now, it doesn't mean that you will always feel them. Also doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel them. In fact, you absolutely should feel them because it's having them there without feeling them that makes it more difficult to move forward without taking care of yourself. So if you feel grief for losing a healthy body, then you are going to want to allow yourself time to feel and process that emotion before allowing yourself to let go of it and moving on. Never judge yourself for how you're feeling. So what are the thoughts that cause these emotions? So they're going to be unique to you and I encourage you to do the work of writing about your diabetes diagnosis or being given a risk of diabetes indication. What do you think about it? Here are some possible thoughts that may be coming up for you. And as, again, as I said, this could apply to anything, any sort of like health risk that you're concerned about or another similar medical related diabetes. So thoughts creating anger or self-pity may be something like, this isn't fair, this shouldn't be happening to me. Thoughts leading to denial might look like it's just diabetes. It's normal to have diabetes because of my age, because of my genetics, because of my ethnicity. You might also think it's not a big deal. Thoughts leading to fear might look like this could be the start of many health problems. I don't want eye, kidney or nerve damage, or even I just don't know what this means. I'm scared for what this means for me for the future. And then there's thoughts leading to shame, which might sound like I should have allowed myself to, I shouldn't have allowed myself to get so heavy. I should have curbed my sweet tooth. I should have lost weight years ago. When we think thoughts like this, we can feel ashamed that we haven't taken care of our health better. And that's just not useful. So just like with all of our thought feeling pairings, having an awareness of them is incredibly empowering because whilst there may well be a period where you want to allow yourself to grieve, for example, or feel sad or feel disappointed, there is little benefit for example, staying in shame or self-pity or fear. Anytime we feel these emotions, no matter the reason, we're going to want to understand them so that we can upgrade them to something more useful. For example, shifting from shame to compassion, shifting from self-pity to self-love, or from fear to acceptance or feel, feeling more capable is going to be more useful to us. And we want to do this because doing all the things that will help you improve your H1ABC1 or put your diabetes into remission is so much easier from a place of self-compassion, self-love, acceptance and capability than it is from a place of fear or shame or self-pity. Doing things like reducing your intake of foods with added sugars and refined carbohydrates, taking exercise, walking or just moving more, replacing sweet food treats with non-food treats, replacing using food for comfort with taking comfort from this time of year, things like cozy mugs of tea or woolly blankets or jumpers or hot baths, scented candles, and always by saying and talking to yourself in a comforting way is going to be easier for it depending on how you're feeling. How we talk to ourselves has a lot to answer for. If we talk to ourselves with kindness always, then we wouldn't have such a need to turn to food to help us to feel better. If you want to improve your diabetes by eating more healthily and taking better care of yourself, the extent to which you love and appreciate yourself will impact how easy or difficult that is for you to do. 
Think about it. Think about how easy it is to do things for people you love and care about the most in your life versus how much resistance you would have taking time out of your day or doing something you would rather not do. Individuals in your life who you don't hold dear who frustrate you or who you wish were different. It requires a lot more energy to do things for those people, if indeed you do them at all, because in all likelihood you might just not bother. The same applies to how you feel about yourself. When you love and appreciate yourself, it's 10 times easier, in fact probably even more than that, to find the time and energy to figure out how to eat more healthily. Find a way to make time in your day to take some exercise or move more or just do things for you so that you can feel better without relying on grabbing a snack to do that for you whilst you're running around working or taking care of everyone else. Again, this is just as true for those of you that want to take better care of yourself, whether that's for health reasons or vanity reasons, even if you do not have a medical condition to manage. So to recap, these are the key things I want you to take away from this episode. Number one. If you are at an increased risk of diabetes because of your lifestyle, your genetics or your ethnicity, so lifestyle is probably the most important factor, I also want you to be aware that you have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes if you either have a close family relative who is type 2 diabetic or if you're Black African, African Caribbean or South Asian. So if you know you have an increased risk or if you have been told that you are pre-diabetic, then I want you to know it's totally within your power to make lifestyle changes that will reduce that risk for you. Number two, if you have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, there is increasing research and evidence and information that you can put your diabetes into remission, meaning that you won't require medication always or going forward, even if you require medication now. It's totally possible or there's increasing evidence to show that an increased number of people are able to put their diabetes into remission so that they don't require medication. Number three, making lifestyle changes for most of us isn't easier knowing that we are facing or at risk of facing health challenges. Mindset as a part of your approach to making those changes is just as important when your health is at risk than if it isn't. Number four, in addition to figuring out what actions you want to take to improve how you eat and how much you move, working on your relationship with yourself will be a key factor in determining your level of success, which I mean making lifelong change. Another point I wanted to share, I didn't share this earlier, but number five, if you like, is you owe it to yourself to be informed and educated about your health. If diabetes is a risk for you, then I encourage you to check out the book, The Diabetes Code by Dr. Jason Fung. I also encourage you to spend some time on the Diabetes UK website and to keep an eye out on the latest research and information. I'll put links to both Diabetes Code and also Diabetes UK website on the show notes for this podcast. Okay. That's it for today. Have a great week and until next time, take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honored to be your coach. There are two ways that you can work with me. You can join my monthly membership program, My One Life Academy, that gives you self-paced learning, supported by twice-weekly live calls and a whole lot more. Or you can join the waiting list for my next six-month Lose Weight, Live Life group coaching mastermind intensive. Go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching to find out all the details.